0: Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Ayari, and you're listening to the YES Institute podcast. We welcome everyone into this conversation. The mission of YES Institute is to prevent suicide and ensure the healthy development of all youth through powerful communication and education on gender and orientation. Today, we'll be discussing masculinity. In-depth inquiry in our courses uncovers the correlation between the stigma of mental health and mass shootings through the lens of gender, specifically masculinity. According to the Violence Project, 98% of mass shootings in the last 50 years have been men, and a majority of them have been white men. YES Institute conducts courses such as Boys Don't Cry and Masculinity Distinguished, to give the participants a better understanding of the connection between gender, mental health, and mass shootings. Throughout these conversations, participants discover the connection between gender expectations for boys and men and the ways in which emotions are displayed. High school boys that we presented to last fall shared that they weren't allowed to cry, and when they were sad, they learned to channel that into anger. One of the participants in one of our recent masculinity courses a Miami-Dade County Public School teacher, shared that we as a society have to work to redefine what masculinity is in order to see a change. Before we begin to redefine masculinity, let's take a moment to reflect on how we are currently relating to masculinity. One of our interns, Claire, sat down to interview her partner, Sam, to discuss what it means to be a man. The pressure and expectations around gender The racial aspect of masculinity and the experiences he's had over the years
1: hi i'm claire
2: and i'm sam
1: what people or experiences really shaped your idea of masculinity or manhood growing up
2: growing up my father was easily the biggest influence on my my idea of masculinity and a lot of people have you know that a crucifix or a, a Picture of Jesus above their TV. We had John Wayne. From a very early age, I was told to be the strong, silent type. Your problems will, you know, be fine. Just bury them deep down. <laughs> we did communicate to a certain extent, but you know, you you didn't cry. We definitely didn't complain. You know, you, a lot of our role models were in that same kind of, in that same way. Just this is how it's done. This is. What a man is—they're loyal. You know, you're supposed to be fearless. I specifically remember this one time: we were at a Chicago Bears game, and my dad was there with all of his friends, and my little brothers were there. And one of the men had said, "You know, I don't like my wife. You know, telling me the things to do around the house. You know, I'm—I wear the pants." And I had said something along the lines to my dad, "That's not how it is in our house." The talking to and the yelling I got from that that one comment, like I still think about that. I must have been seven years old. He sat me down at my grandparents' house after, and I was just bawling. He was yelling at me. He's like, "That's not how a man acts. Like this is how it is. This is how you portray it to be in our house. I am the man. That's how we act. And for you to go out and just throw me under the bus like that, you should be ashamed of yourself. And that's just one of those things that." You know, always stuck with me, yeah. and it wasn't until later that I realized just how <laughs> screwed up that was in high school. It just kind of got worse for a while. I had a girlfriend in high school, um, I was gone for a weekend, and I had heard that another guy had hit on her and or picked her up, put her over his shoulders. The next day, when I got back. Everyone in the lunchroom was like, Sam Barone he just got back from his vacation, and he knows that this guy did this to his, to his girlfriend, and it was this huge thing. There was a crowd of people following me around the lunchroom, waiting to see what I did to this kid, and it was just like, I, at first, I just kind of wanted to talk to him, just like, hey, can you clear up the situation? Yeah. But as the pressure just continued to pile on, like, eventually, I It got confrontational. Luckily, it wasn't at school, but it got very physical. And looking back at it, it was just so stupid and immature. And it just, it like hurts me to think about that kid to this day. So further on in high school, I came to terms with my masculinity a bit more. I loved wearing like the tight jeans, but I was still friends with a lot of the jocks, you know, so that was kind of a constant battle. And one time, one of my really good friends, we wanted to go get some new skate shoes together. And we, we saw one of our other friends who was on the football team before we went. And he's like, what are you guys up to today? And I was like, Joe and I are going to go um, get some new shoes and you know, grab lunch, just do a little shopping. And after Joey like, we drove off, Joe was like, Sam, like, don't say that. Like you don't say that to another guy. It's like, what do you mean? Like it's we're just a couple of buddies grabbing some shoes together. Like I, I, I was just confused by that, yeah. but it also made me understand this is how a lot of other men think, and I felt like I had to kind of just change the way I acted in, with some groups to just make them feel more comfortable. And then throughout college, eventually, I, I did join a fraternity. I joined one that had aligning ideals. You know, different. they're from different places in the country. I was very interested in that, and eventually I became the the sergeant in arms. And that basically means you're the security guard in the house. And I got to really enforce a lot of my ideals eventually. One of my good friends who was in my pledge class smacked this girl's butt right in front of me. And that was the first, this was like my first week on the job. And I lost, it's just like, we call ourselves the gentlemen of Delta Chi and like that's how you're gonna act I kicked him out so fast and just made sure that everyone in the house knew that that's not allowed otherwise you're out of here you know and and from that point on when everyone started listening to that I felt more comfortable just embracing being not just a gentleman but just a good person you know like just trying to make women and, and anyone who comes to the house feel comfortable and not like, there's a bunch of drug-crazed men around you that can just take advantage of whatever you wanted. You know, that's just something i was so against.
1: So what were some turning points for you in terms of kind of figuring out what you wanted your masculinity to look like as opposed to, like, what your dad or other people in your childhood wanted you to be?
2: Well, I was always a pretty small kid growing up. Like short, and I always felt like I had to make it up with just lifting a lot of weights. I was a wrestler, you know, just constantly trying to feel masculine as much as possible, just like I need to be big and tough and that lasted all through high school and then there was a point with my mom. Um, she had remarried at this point, and I came home one night, and she had a pretty like bloody nose I like got in a fight, pretty big altercation with um, the new husband. And I just had this overwhelming sense, just like, got to take care of the people I love. And um, at whatever cost, he was probably had a hundred pounds on me, but that didn't, didn't really stop me. And, you know, that day I was like, mom, Mikey, my little brother, were moving with, moving back in with my dad but my dad was like come on in you guys all stay at our, my place in chicago um, and it was just so so much about the family and about the people that i care about It strayed away from a lot of those other feelings of just being stronger and being more powerful than someone just to, to prove a point point. and then later on after i met you you know, I, I still was struggling with my masculinity. I definitely thought I was a macho guy, and early on in a relationship, I'd try to prove that. <laughs> we, were, we were at Taco Bell one night, and some some guy starts harassing us, asking me what I was getting, like, 40 times. I was like, bro, I, I just told you what I'm getting. Like, please, just back off. We're just trying to order. And after, it, it almost got physical. It almost got physical, and then after, I'm asking... Claire asked me like how did that make you feel and like what was the first feeling that you had after that and I realized I never asked Claire how she felt I should have immediately been like first of all before I even acknowledge this this guy are you okay and if Claire's okay then I'm fine I I could walk away you know like I don't have to do anything, I don't have to get in a fight over something like this.
1: So how do you think your whiteness has played into, or played a role in your masculinity?
2: I mean, it wasn't until the last five, six years that I really understood how big of a part it it did play Mm -hmm. into my masculinity growing up. In grade school, high school, I was constantly, constantly running from the police and it was a big joke. It was just a, just a funny thing to do that all my friends and I would do. We would egg cop cars. We would have high school parties, and everyone would just run. Zero consequence. We felt nothing. And just in the world today, knowing that I did that as a kid, it's just like it's just, yeah, just about as white privileged as you can get.
1: Thinking about the future, if you were to have kids in the future, how might you? do things differently like what kind of parent would you want to be in terms of you know if you had a son or if you had really any kids like how would you want to approach that
2: I mean regardless of gender I want to play catch you know with my offspring <laughs> you know, like I'm, I just love activities and being around them you know like I don't care if like whatever they are like I just want to be spending time with them outdoors I love to camp play baseball hockey and I'll paint you know I'll do makeup whatever they feel comfortable with that I also enjoy I don't even have to enjoy it that much I just like (laughs) want them to feel comfortable with whatever they end up wanting to do it's just not that my upbringing was like super it's like you have to do this and you have to do that my, my parents got me an easy-bake oven when I was a kid and that was, that was so nice and I'm like very into cooking. My older brother's a chef and that was one of those things that we always talk about. So yeah, just really listening to them but at the same time I want to play baseball with one <laughs> of them.
0: Sam's experience with masculinity is one that our education team hears often. Men are expected to behave more aggressively not show emotions, and white men have different consequences when interacting with police than men of color. When Claire asked Sam about his future as a father, Sam redefined masculinity and reclaimed what it means to be a man. Here are organizations that are connecting with YES Institute to increase awareness and initiate meaningful conversations on developing healthy and whole people. Miami-Dade County Public Schools, St. Martin's Episcopal School in Atlanta, Georgia, Sony Music U.S. Latin DEI and i Task Force and Somos Employee Affinity Group, South Florida Law Enforcement LGBTQ Coalition, and Young Men's Preparatory Academy in Miami, Florida. If you'd like YES Institute to lead a dialogue for your community, check out our website at yesinstitute.org and email our team at info at yesinstitute.org For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening.